Greetings this morning in the name of Christ. You can turn your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I find it interesting um, how the Lord moves at times. I planned the message for this morning is entitled, I Thirst, probably a month ago. And Elvie stands up and leads the song, I Thirsted in a Barren Land of Sin and Strife. Uh, times like that are encouraging when you have to speak. John chapter 4, verse 4. <clears throat> a very familiar account. Jesus traveling in verse 4, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a, a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, so about noon. Then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus, Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for I thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast is not thy husband, in that saidst thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. That is true worship, um, I believe, defined for us. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah, when, when Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, when he has come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. The word thirst, a very familiar word. It's a word loaded with figurative meaning, the word thirst. Translation from the Hebrew word of Sama, translation from the Greek word dipsos. Uh, we have our English word derived from that word dipsos, refers to a sensation in, of dryness in the mouth and throat that's caused by a lack of fluids, which results in a desire to drink something. It seems like in every language, this word thirst is interpreted 
as a craving for something. Um, so in every language that uh, people have studied this terminology, it can be figurative in every one of those languages. A thirst, a craving for something. Thirst is a word picture in every language. It speaks of a craving for. Now Jesus, in verse 13, says, Jesus said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Now what is he saying? Have you ever come to the spot where you never thirsted again? You're good to go. That one drink solved it all. What is Jesus saying? Is this true? What He offered this woman. If you drink what I give you, you'll never thirst again. What is He saying? I enjoyed studying this topic. There are things you will drink that will only increase your thirst. You understand what I'm saying? The more you drink, the more you need to drink. I heard of people who were on a small boat on the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, picture someone out there today stranded on a little craft, maybe a life boat. They're living in a situation that thirst will be a reality. How many of you have been on the Atlantic Ocean? A couple, not a lot. Yeah, some. The saltiness of that water and the wind blowing across that ocean is going to create a, a thirsty environment. Um, this, you're going to breathe the salty air. Um, you're going to feel the salty water. Um, and it enters your breathing. It creates a natural thirst. Now, there are things a man living in that situation must realize. Number one is his life is at stake, especially due to dehydration. If you're out on the ocean, um, you're probably going to die de of dehydration before much of anything else. And there's a fact that you must embrace. There's pure water that will quench your thirst and meet your needs. There's a lot more water available to you that won't quench your thirst, but will only increase the desire and necessity for more. Now, as a lad, I always found this interesting. I was told about this from, I remember as a little guy. And I would hear, you know, if you're stranded out on the Atlantic Ocean, you'll probably die of dehydration. I'm thinking, well, drink. How hard's this? And the answer given to me was, well, no, you can't drink ocean water because it just makes you more thirsty. I'm saying, well, you're not going to run out of water. And when you do, you found land. I mean, if it just increases your thirst, there's plenty here. But the answer is actually a lot deeper than that. Uh, if you drink the ocean water, you're drinking 3.5% salt water, and your body can only handle 2%, which means you can guzzle it all day long without stopping, and your body will continually dehydrate, even though you're pouring water in there, because of the salt content um, that your body cannot handle. Your kidneys will shut down. Um, above 2%, it can't handle that. There's a problem with drinking salty ocean water. Isn't that it makes you thirstier. Number one, it dehydrates you more than it nourishes you. Number two, the ocean water is 3.5% salt. 
salt water and it will dehydrate you. The lady at the well knew what cravings were. She's married five times. The person she was with wasn't her husband. She knew what thirsting meant. As a sinner, she knew what it was like to drink from the water of the Atlantic Ocean. To try to satisfy her cravings. But the more you drink, the more you want, the more you crave. Because it will never satisfy. And Jesus is coming to her and saying, If you knew the gift of God and what I have to offer you, and you drink from this fountain, it will nourish your soul. The problem with a sinful activity is it doesn't satisfy cravings. It multiplies cravings. I wonder if you can say that's true in your life. A person who fails in self-control today creates dehydration in his soul. Immediately when you act in sin, most times there's initially a contentedness. The pleasure of sin is there for, for just a season. Most times when you act in sin, there's, there's an initial contentedness. Ah, oh, the relief. Those cravings are subsided. But then comes a dehydration in our soul and then a stronger craving than before we ever had before. And that craving is multiplied now as I look at that again and I'm thirsting again even deeper and stronger. Because sin never satisfies It simply creates a monster within. And Satan will bring young people. Every time, Satan will try to bring that drink of salt water and say, this will quench your thirst. This will quench your thirst. And if we drink, it will never quench. It will only multiply those cravings in a greater way. Look for satisfaction in the wrong places. We've all done it. There's no one here who says, oh, no, 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 no. Every time I thirsted, my soul thirsted, every time I was even tempted on anything or wanted something, I always made sure it was a water of life from Christ. I always made the right choice. There's no one here saying that. And all of us can relate to when we try to fulfill, try to satisfy ourselves in the wrong place, in the wrong way, we will multiply those cravings rather than solve those problems we're facing. I have a few things here for you to consider. Do you believe computers satisfy your cravings? Or do they create an addictive monster for you? Do computers satisfy? When you get home, you're tired. Even before you get home, you're not tired. You're on your way to work. How addicted are you? Well, I just want this satisfaction of knowledge. What's happening? And you know what? It's amazing. You look at that world and, and how it multiplies those cravings. Ladies, I'm here to say trends... And being trendy will never satisfy you. It will never happen. 
It creates a leanness of soul when we drink that type of activity. A leanness of soul. It will create more thirst. There's no one who starts compromising who says, okay, now that's enough. Because when we compromise what God has called us to live, to keep our focus on Him, and He can be our satisfaction, when we lose that and we think, no, if I could just do this, oh, I would be happy. And then comes the leanness of soul. And those cravings are going to multiply more than we ever even understand or realize. Impure sexual activity will never satisfy. Well, you know, we're human, so we have these natural sexual cravings. And you know what? Satan wants to offer you salt water. And say, you know, the only way to solve your cravings is this water right here. But friends, we're more dehydrated. We're way more dehydrated. And our soul comes a leanness of soul. When we think we can satisfy our cravings by any of that stuff, it won't happen. Is this affecting us? We can stick our hand in the sand and say, nope, not affecting us. Or you could look at each other's Facebook, Pinterest, We could look at each other's lives, how we spend our time, how we're enthused about worship. Is there a leanness of soul? Are we drinking at the right places? Are we finding the satisfaction in Christ? I think these things are affecting us. I think that thirstiness is multiplying as the end times are approaching. We're going to read a verse on that later. There will come a natural drawing back from the things of God as we try to quench our thirst of the things offered to us by the world. Holiness. Personal holiness. Prayer meeting. Brotherhood connection. Humility. Personal witness. will all lose their appeal. Because our dehydrated soul is just shrinking in on us. I believe people, the reason people don't thirst after the things of the Lord is that it doesn't do enough for them to extend the effort to do it. If you truly believe something would do you good, good enough to extend effort to get there and embrace it, I think all of us would have the common sense to do it, naturally do it. But if you look at something and say, you know, I'm not sure if it's worth the effort. Well, there's not many people who are going to do it. Very, very few people are going to do it. And so when we withdraw spiritually, it's, it's more, there's something deeper going on. It, it's the dehydration. It's because we're drinking at the wrong source. We're trying to find fulfillment where we'll never find fulfillment. We tend to blame it on everything but personal choices or our own personal Spiritual leanness. We can blame it on the church. Oh, the church isn't exciting enough. If the church was more exciting, I'd be into it. We can blame it on working early or working too late. We got no time for personal holiness, meditation in the Word, no time to meditate in prayer. We can blame it on a lot of things, 
But the question comes back is, where am I drinking to quench my thirst from? Where do I feel that I will find satisfaction? I like verse 10. Jesus speaking to this lady who knew everything uh, about thirst and the problems that come to our lives when we drink from the wrong source. Speaking to this lady, he says, If thou knewest the gift of God, if you only knew, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. If somebody, if you're in hard times and you are up against it, so to speak, and somebody comes through and gives you something that takes care of, completely takes care of your need, you would say, What a gift! There's nothing you could have done to earn it. What a gift! And here he's saying, If you only knew. What a gift. What an incredible gift of God. Verse 14, Whosoever drinketh, this is the gift, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. This completely quenches that craving in your life. It doesn't multiply the thirst. It doesn't multiply the cravings. It doesn't take you on a journey where you don't even know where you can end up at. It it satisfies you. It fulfills you. The water that I shall give him, even to the point, shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus accomplishes this in everyone who finds their satisfaction in him. Who embrace the gift of God, the way of God, the person of Christ, the way of his word. This isn't the modern Jesus that we're committed to and live in a state of selfish cravings, and we live in a state of satisfying our cravings by the world's ways and by the Satan's temptation, we think, yeah, it might work. But I love Jesus and I'm serving Him. This is, this is a life where someone is sold out to saying no to the garbage water from the world. And saying, yes, the only satisfaction is I I find the way in Christ and embrace His way. In that person's life, there is a spring of water. They're no longer a craver, they're a giver. Do you know anybody like that? I'm sure you do. Not someone who's in it for me. Someone who's in it for you. In it to be a blessing to others. We all know people who are cravers. They want the attention. They want, they, they, they just want it to be about them. They want the, the focus to be on them. And what they've done and how, how they've accomplished things and how they want to be in control. We all know cravers. But what a joy it is when you meet a Christian who's a giver. There's a fountain flowing out. And how can that be? How can that be you and how can that be me? It is only when we find our satisfaction in Jesus Christ. And when that happens, there is a natural response that it overwhelms our soul and flows out to others. Today, I, I think too many are happy to just barely exist. Uh, 
let alone bring nourishing water that springs into everlasting life. We, we don't mind being viewed as hanging on for dear life, tight-fisted, barely surviving our Christian life. If someone would put us on the spot, we won't be able to quote Scripture. We won't be able to give life. We won't be able to give hope. We'll have to think up of something quick. What can we say to pull us out? Because there's not something flowing out of us. We're not finding satisfaction at the right source. We're finding satisfaction at both sources. Lord Jesus, I love You. But temptation and cravings My temptation, my cravings are going to be answered by the needs of my flesh and how I feel like it's going to work best for me. I love the words of Isaiah. Ho, listen up. Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And then he asks a question that's the question for the woman at the well. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? Why do you do that? It, it's so easy as, as men to get on a roll. Spending spree might be called. Here's the question for you. Why do you spend money for that which isn't bread? And your labor. Why do you work for that which doesn't satisfy? Hearken diligently unto me and eat that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Every one of us here are finding fulfillment devoutly or by distorted enticement. John Piper says, It's easy in our day to think, well, there are some Christians who are living in victory. Their lives are a valley. Their lives are a fountain in the valley of Baca. And there are some who aren't. The problem comes back to this. How are they solving the cravings of their life? It's not about their upbringing. It's not even about the situation they're in. It's about how are they solving the cravings of their life? Is that found in Christ and in His ways? Or is it found by what the world and the flesh and the devil has to offer them? I don't know of anybody here who would enjoy being stranded on the Atlantic Ocean in a lifeboat and have no water and see how you could survive. I I know people love challenges, but that's a little bit out there. That's in the danger zone majorly. Because if you drink the wrong thing out of just, oh, I just got to drink something. If you drink that you're shortening your life by half. If you drink it again by third, if you keep drinking it, you're going to expire sooner rather than later. But how much more dangerous, friends, in reality, how much more dangerous is the sea we're on, the sea of life, with Satan trying to tempt people to consume, drink this, it will satisfy you. Drink this. You'll feel better. And hey, everybody else is drinking it around you. And look, they're they're still accepted. They're still okay. How 
How much more dangerous than being on the Atlantic Ocean stranded is being right in our own lives in Hayward, Wisconsin and going through this world of sin and remembering day by day, I don't find my fulfillment. I don't find the answer to my cravings and what anything has to offer here. I find my fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't believe the command of, and I don't believe the hope offered to this dear lady was just, uh, hey, look, you're dying. There's a way to survive. I, I don't think that was it. I think there was a hope offered that, look, you're dying now. But if you find your nourishment at the right source, it's going to change you from a craver to a giver. Guaranteed. And not someone who's barely surviving. Someone who's actually out of their lives is flowing. A life, it says everlasting life. There's, there's a life-giving fountain flowing out of their life. This was important. Jesus didn't just say this once and done and say, you know, if you drink of the water that I will give you, you'll never thirst. He didn't just say that once. He said that again and again. Hey, for us to worship, we've got to stay awake. Just a thought. <laughs> I was talking about that in Sunday school. John 6.35, in just two chapters, you can flip over two pages. He says the same thing to the people there. John 6.35, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. That is quite a statement. That is quite a statement. And what is it saying? It's saying you will be completely satisfied if you find your satisfaction. The answer to your craving in Jesus Christ. If you don't find the answer to your craving in Jesus Christ, you will multiply your cravings guaranteed. There's no other source that can offer that. Absolutely no one. And the next chapter. He says it three times in four chapters. John chapter 7 verse 37 In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This was so important. Turn to Amos chapter 8 in closing here. I believe it's more than just a session for the lady at the woman at the well. Jesus so wanted us to get a hold of this. You find the answer for your cravings in Him. You'll never find it in money. You'll never find it in computers. You'll never find it in sexual fantasies. You'll never find it in any way other than the Lord Jesus Christ and in His way. You'll never find fulfillment in anger or getting your own way. And we all think of that sometimes. You know, if I just had this my way, it would be fulfilling. And so we get angry. And we get our own way because everybody's scared of us. And you know what? We're still not satisfied. It only multiplied our cravings in life. But Jesus is saying, you come to me. And those cravings can actually be laid aside. You'll no longer be a craver, you'll be a giver. In today's world, as described well in the book of Amos chapter 12, 
I'm not a prophecy guy that reads in prophecy and says, now this is the time and this is when this is going to happen, etc. But it does look pretty obvious that he's speaking of our time. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, and I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. There's going to be a lack of nourishment found in the word of God. Verse 12, And they shall wander from sea to sea, from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. So there's people looking for nourishment. And even the word of God is all around them. But they're not finding it. Then verse 13, In that day shall the fair virgins and the young men faint for thirst. God says, I'm going to send a famine, a dehydration of soul and spirit in that time. And even to the point where the youth, the fair virgins and young men faint for thirst. Friends, our world is dying. That verse is true. Since 2010, young people's suicide is up 31%. Suicide is the number two killer of young people. People that have a bright future. The only thing that has more than a suicide is by accidents and random um, catastrophes that happen to young people. This, the part to contemplate is since 2010, which that was the year that social media is considered to make its explosion in its debut. Suicide's up 31%. The next verse says, They that swear by the sin of Samaria... And say, Thy God, O Dan, liveth. Uh, that's, the, that's the world we're living in. Uh, we had a fellow, Hayward had a fellow from, was it Dalama or Dela Lama or something like that over at Hayward uh, Library to give a presentation of uh, his religion and his, the way to find peace and fulfillment in life. I wonder why they never invited a Christian to do that. Because they, they, they want to give the, the world that we live in, the times that we live in, they want to give recognition to these no-gods from Samaria. I mean, there is nothing there to save people. And yet all the people swarm to those kinds of things and say, Oh, thy God liveth. But we present the Gospel and they say, No, 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 we don't want to hear that. The times that we live in, Jesus is saying, God is saying here, I will send a famine. I close with this thought from Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. And what's the answer to that blessing? For they shall be filled. So Jesus says, if you bring your hunger to me, if you bring your cravings to me, and you crave after righteousness that I have, you will be filled. And it doesn't matter what calls our name, whether it be trends, 
whether it be pleasure of excitement that is outside of God's will, whether it be things on the internet that we have no business spending that much time or that much energy doing because it's a waste of time. Who knows what's calling our name? But the reality is that will never satisfy. It will multiply your cravings. But Jesus says if you hunger and thirst. Now I don't know how many are hungering and thirsting. No idea. After righteousness here today. Hungering after and thirsting after righteousness is literally, um, I appreciated the one description how it would look like. A person who is looking at particular areas and craving God to do a greater work in his life in that area. Someone who is longing for even righteous living in everyday life. They see an area that they know God can do a greater work in and they're seeking God. They're hungering and they're thirsting after that righteousness in their everyday life. Someone who is finding fulfillment in life and becoming a blessing to the community is that person right there. Whether they've been in the church for 20 years or one year or 80 years. The person who is finding fulfillment in life is those who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Sin always multiplies cravings. But God is standing with a gift. The Lord Jesus Christ is standing with a gift held out to everyone here. And He said, if you just knew the gift of God, your satisfaction will be 100% found here. It will never be found in the world. It will never be found in money. It will never be found in wasting time. It will never be found in fashion. It will never be found in inordinate habits. It will never be found in religion. I think those things will never satisfy a person. It is found in Jesus Christ. He is the one who makes us a giver and not a craver. If you're able to kneel this morning, I ask you to kneel for prayer.